Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. I'm Jelani Kelly. I'm David Jones. And today we're doing the second of our four horror movies. We're doing Nope from Jordan Peele today. I saw this in theaters with a few friends and I really liked it. I still do. I think I liked it better this third time around watching it. But I remember reception on the way out being pretty split with, uh, if there were six of us, I think me and one other person were like, that was awesome. Two people were like, eh, parts of it were good. Some were like weird and I didn't get it. And then two were like, that was dumb. So I think from the reception that I've seen like since then, it does seem like people are kind of split on this. And I get it, but I find that it really works for me, even though I don't fully understand it. Like, walking out of the theater, I was like, I don't get this, but I can tell there's stuff there to dig into. I don't fully understand it right now, but I want to. And that kind of holds true. I I still don't know if it's fair to say that I, like, understand this movie fully, but I've had a blast every time I've watched it. One of my biggest reactions coming out of the theater was, okay, Jordan Peele got a budget this time, and he really used it well. Like, this looks so good. I didn't give this any awards when we did our, like, 2022 awards. I I think maybe I should have given this best special effects, even over, I think I gave it to Top Gun Maverick. This maybe edges it out. It looks so good. Like, visual effects, cinematography, it is just awesome here and then one thing i just noticed this time i think a trademark that maybe is emerging for jordan peele is symbolic animals like between the chimp here gordy and then the deer and get out and then the rabbits and us maybe in his fourth one we'll see if he sticks with that trend but you guys what did you uh what did you think of this i assume you both saw it in theaters yeah i definitely think that what you said about the animals and his trademark you can't even argue at this point like that's just it's in all of his movies and i feel like it's just good to continue and i saw this once before uh watching it now and the time i saw it in theaters i was actually really shocked because you know it kind of takes a while for theaters to start the movies with all the previews it's usually like 15 20 minutes after whatever the show time is and I got there 10 minutes after thinking I'd be good. The movie had already started. It was the moment right when the thing hits OJ's dad and kills him. And I was like, huh? So it was nice to like see the movie completely fully for the first time now. But my opinion on it is still kind of the same where I enjoy it, but it's not my favorite of his three movies. Does it rank higher than Us? It's yeah. for me personally, no. Us is much more my sensibilities with like, because I think quality wise, like production quality wise, this is his best film ever, obviously, because all the things you just talked about. He got his budget, he scaled up. I think as far as the scripts and the story and how the character and everything works, I think they're both us and Nope equally convoluted and could just be trimmed up to make it more enjoyable. And I just prefer slasher horror to sci-fi horror. And whereas like Get Out is just like easily his best thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think though, so I want to try Us again because I didn't, Us didn't work for me, but I've only seen it one time. And like Get Out didn't super work for me. Like I still enjoyed it well enough, but it 
it was not one I would have named as a favorite the first time I watched it, but now, like, after a couple more viewings, I definitely would. So maybe the same thing will hold true for us. I think, though, like, this is more my wavelength. Like, this, and we'll get into it. This checks a couple of personal boxes for me very hard. I, I would never say that this is better than Get Out, because Get Out is about 5% off from perfection. But this, I think I enjoy more. Jelani. How about you? What was uh, your intro experience to this like? This is my second time watching it. Watched it my first time in theaters with my dad and little brother. I don't think they enjoyed it as much as I did, but I could be confusing their reactions here with the Across the Spider-Verse. I expected it to be good uh, as Get Out is goaded and I enjoyed Us. So with this being Jordan Peele's third film, you know, expectations were kind of... I saw the trailer was gladly revealed nothing, so I didn't see the twist coming and couldn't figure it out prior to it being revealed halfway through the movie. What I heard on other people's opinions about it were pretty much the same as what Evan said. I enjoyed it. I couldn't figure out like the deeper meanings first time watching it, and I had to do research and go into some of the meanings behind it um or pos some of the possible meanings behind the movie as i still couldn't like draw my own conclusion because on the surface it it's still a like entertaining movie to me so also real quick i like the relationship between oj and emerald uh with us spending a majority of the movie with them i think it was really important some of my favorite moments being uh oj inviting her to the house to smoke them high-fiving when she said dude didn't bring an electrical camera and uh line to oj if you die trying to save that guy i'll kill you also i don't think we'll get into it but is oj alive do you think the out yonder side with the, with the smoke makes me think nope <laughs> i i'd never even considered that he wasn't yeah, are, are there either. people who think that or is this just like your theory you guys think he's alive yeah, because like if this was like if this was a different Jordan Peele movie, I could maybe get that. But like I feel like nope's so far, like the visuals are pretty like literal. Yeah. The way they're like in the world they're in. Like the in their movies logic. It's not surreal where it's ever like this isn't happening to them. Oh, you mean, like, there's no, like, vision? Yeah, like, there's never a moment of disconnect where it's like, oh, well, this, like, there's metaphors, obviously, but the metaphors are tied down to the actual plot that's happening in real time for the character. Like, it's never like, oh, this person's, this is a surreal moment where he's not really there and it's supposed to tell me something. I can get with that. Yeah, especially that would be a weird thing to introduce in the last shot. But, to be fair, like, it is maybe reaching a little bit more of a symbolic place there right I, I, or at least i can i can see that reading so i don't want to like discredit it but i i definitely take more of david's reading there so why not show his face or like show him smiling or any part of him that isn't just the silhouette like why the out yonder sign all right, I have a, I have something about this. Okay, because because this yeah, I was gonna save for later, but we're getting into it now. How do you guys feel about the ending? <laughs> so I say so yeah, this is what I wrote. I like it. I like it all in the sense that I wouldn't change anything that actually happens. 
And it's not uncommon for monster movies to end abruptly in that way. The monster's been defeated. It's over. Jaws, we kind of talked about it in the group chat as like a monster movie. Jaws is another example where like he blows up the shark and then it just kind of ends. But it stays on like the shot of the water and the credits roll and you see him just kind of float. I wish with this movie we got, because so much of this movie is held down by their relationship, like you just were listing off so many great moments, that I want it like they just earned that moment. Why don't we, even if it's just a minute longer before they cut to the title, nope, why do we not just like hang on the shot and see them like embrace? Why do we not see them get to each other? Yeah, or even bring Angel back in, because he's still alive too. Right. I really expected him to die. Me too. Like, I could have sworn this man was just fodder. He does, yeah. I feel like he is kind of signaled as, like, the dumb character who dies, like, 85% in. Yeah. Literally. But that was the TMZ T- guy. <laughs> yeah. And then Antlers. Why did he do That was the dumbest. See, that's, that's a point where I feel like it starts getting, like... I. I agree with your point, David, that, like, the shots themselves, like, I don't think there's any shot that's, like, going for symbolism necessarily, like, outside of reality. Like, there are symbols in there, but I don't, I think every shot is meant to be pretty literal, with maybe the exception of, like, the shoe standing straight up. I don't know what that's about, but I think when Holst, like, does film himself or, like, have the camera rolling as he get swallowed up by jean jacket the monster that is a place where the movie starts to be like i think this is starting to go further into metaphor territory so like that whole final sequence could maybe be read a certain way i, I don't know exactly how but like if you take a certain <laughs> reading of that maybe i have Jelani's another thing about that point too. does make sense of like if OJ really is dead and like, mm-hmm. I don't know how that would hold up. Cause I, I just never considered that until now, but maybe there's a connection. There's like other threads in there that you can follow. I would have preferred they embrace like David said, like there, it would have a nice little neat, neat bow. They had a, like a, a spat in the middle at some point talking about and leaving like and other than that like i really enjoyed their chemistry as actors and their relationship as characters in the movie so i i agree with david like there there should have been an extra something there if he wasn't dead right and if he is dead like if the dust settles and oj never made it out and she looks and he's not there and it's a quick cut to nope it works. That ending works too. But if he's gonna live, I need a minute. It could be the most basic, like reestablishing wide shot, and they can just slowly walk to each other. She can get on the horse, and they can just slowly horse out of the frame, and the credits can roll. But like, I just need to live in that because, like, I was just, I just feel cheated as an audience member. Like, you just had me on this two, almost two and a half hour journey with you. Like, come on now. And you love their dynamic. Yeah. I think the thing that has always thrown me a little bit about the ending is, like, I'm not quite sure how to feel about them as characters. Like, there is kind of a satisfaction in, like, 
you got that Oprah shot, you defeat the monster. But then I'm not sure what the movie wants me to feel, and I'm not quite sure how I feel, where it's like, is this triumphant? Am I meant to kind of judge the lengths that they went to for this? Because it, it kind of seems like it's framing it heroically. Like, OJ on the horse, that's kind of a hero shot. And then, you know, Emerald yeah, sure. just kind of had her big, like, defeat the monster thing. Like, And I think the score is kind of supporting that in that moment. Like, it is, it's more of a, like, upbeat, heroic kind of score. I, I feel like these characters are shown to us in a way where we aren't really meant to necessarily be on their side like i think they're meant to be likable but i never get the sense that like there is a higher purpose to them defeating this monster they're not like saving anyone else they're doing it for clout really and there's nothing wrong with that they need the money in this movie with these people yeah yeah well i i don't, I don't want to say that as and like, i think it's judgment. a little personal too i think there's the, the little personal edge of their own mystery because like at least for oj he knows like something came out the sky and killed their dad and now something is still right. coming out the sky. Right. Yeah, but there's also that line from Angel at the one point and I I've heard a couple other people talk about this in other podcasts and videos about it. It's like he says what we're going to do this is going to help people and I always have read that as like he's just kind of telling himself that. I never get the sense that Jordan Peele is trying to say like Hey, yeah, this is like a heroic thing. No, I, I, I don't think it is. And again, maybe that's fine. Like, I think that's what he's examining. He's not necessarily trying to pass judgment on these people. But then in that final shot, it does feel like he wants us to like be cheering for them in a way that he hasn't the rest of the movie. Well, he did sacrifice. And well, if he's dead, he did sacrifice himself. Even if he didn't, like he was willing to. Uh, in order to save his sister. Yeah, but I feel like that, like, that last wasn't shot even, maybe that wasn't even... signals to us. Maybe, like, if we're going to take a, a hyper-literal interpretation of it, maybe that last shot is just there to let us know that he's not dead. But if he's not dead, give us more. Fair, yeah. That's what we want. We want just another minute. Let us sit in it. But I do think on that angel line, though, I do think that I write it the same way where it's like, yeah, but... Angel believes that, but like, no, none of us do. Like, he is, yeah, that's Angel. Like, oh, God bless you, Angel. I'm not sure if he does. I, I feel like he's he's trying to convince himself, but I'm not sure if he does. I, I could be very wrong about that, though. I mean, we could ask the actor or Jordan Peele. Maybe one of them would give us a little more insight. We could ask Jean Jacket. We could. I don't know if we'd get much of a response. I really want to see the guy who plays Angel in more things, though. He was, like, such a... Brandon Perea. I don't know him from anything else, I don't think. But he was he was so... Like, a lot of the actors are good here, but I knew the other... Like, I I knew Daniel Kaluuya, obviously, and Steven Yeun, and even Kihi Palmer a little bit. And he was just such a pleasant surprise in this movie. He is really good in it, because I have a really hard time, like ever really getting annoyed by a character but angel annoys me and i think for a lot of it he's supposed to and he does a good job with it yeah his his first like full scene or second scene when he's at their place like supposed to be setting up and he's showing oj pictures of of his ex i'm just like are we 
I don't think we're supposed to like this guy. He, the first scene, he's such a dick. He is such a oh, yeah. condescending asshole. And then the second scene, he's just trauma dumping. And then the yep. third scene, he broke his promise, lied, and is spying on you. <laughs> I'm like, bro, yep. you're the worst. But he plays it so well. And by the end, you kind of like him. Yeah, and you see him throughout like the whole the whole scene where he's installing. He's trying mm. to be like, hey, I, I kind of want in. Yep. I think my favorite line with him, like, or maybe not my favorite line, but like my favorite performance moment from him. He's like, yeah, oh, um, my supervisor's going to call you. Uh, can you give me like uh, five stars, whatever? Five and he's, stars. he's so five not in <laughs> I really hope he blows up from this movie because he's so good here. Yep. Steven Yeun is invincible, guys. Steven yes, Yeun is Walking so Dead. good in this too, though. He's from Glenn. He's fantastic. Glenn. He was in Beef. He's a fantastic actor. He, the, he's really good. He's also, he's also, he also has that one YouTube clip where he's... Uh, I forget what the question is, but it's like, it's too late. You are gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I really do like him. I want to see him in more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My brother and I send the face back and forth as a meme. Uh, the face he made right after he's like rethinking the whole Gordy scene. Like at the beginning of that chapter, he's like sitting up against his desk and he's just staring blankly into nothing before uh, I think his wife walks into his office. We, we have that picture saved. It's, it's, it's a great meme. Yeah, face. him and Daniel Kaluuya are two actors who I think are just so amazing at conveying like a ton of emotion and like inner life with just the tiniest like movements and facial expressions like they're so amazing at like understated acting i agree i've heard the complaint that some people think daniel kaluuya is too understated here which no i i can understand that understated. i i like him in this i i think he's really good at playing just like kind of a introverted guy who like kind of keeps his thoughts to himself i i could tell that like straight off of his first scene in the tra trailer when um and the scene in the the first thing in the trailer is when i don't know if it's the first but i think it's the first when m is introducing the the haywood horses she's going through the whole speech and she's she says my great 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 granddaddy and he adds the great and i was like oh uh, I love this character. I understand him already. You're, you're saying people are saying he's understated, like, he's not putting his all into it? No, like, I don't think they were criticizing his effort. It's more just, like... The performance. The performance isn't compelling, like... What? Or that he's just... They're just, like, he's just wow. so... He doesn't do anything, and I'm, no, like... I can understand no. seeing that. I don't, like, I think he's doing a really good job but i can see how it might be a like for some people's sensibilities it might be not enough bro the okay. scene in the barn the scene of him like before like right before he falls asleep in the mm -hmm. car this the the scene when the he's holding the, yeah. <laughs> yes. all of it the him holding the door open and waiting for Angel and and M to to catch up so they can get in the car and he starts tapping oh the nah, fuck out of here, bro. What the I, fuck I are they talking I, about? I literally am like, I this is my favorite performance he's ever done. Like that, as much I can't even. Everyone who anyone who feels that way is wrong. I'm so sorry. Like 
opinions are valid, but that one is not. This is my favorite yeah. Daniel performance by far. It is so impressive to convey all of the emotion and all of the character in such a subdued way. And it's all through his physicality yeah, and yeah. subtleness. And even, and that's, you have to remember, he's doing that already you get the impression of who oj is and he's this introvert and he's just kind of do what your dad says and get by and just keep your head down kind of person mm -hmm. and then he has to convey grief on top of that and how do you show someone like that becoming even more subdued and he does that and a lot of that is through his performance with kiki and everything and we exactly. see the different yeah. sides of him through that that's crazy that's why i mentioned those as some of my favorite moments because she brings out that other side of him with them being siblings like the high five i think is my favorite scene where they just high five and he's just like mean hugging her. Yeah. <laughs> um like come on bro come on yeah well which of you is saying about grief like the line that he has David. yeah um he he says that line i've been staring at that cloud for the last six months and I was like, I so buy that. Like, and it just said, like, but that line would mean nothing if we didn't have that performance to go with it. But, like, because we've seen him, I think it's, like, halfway through the movie that he says it. I'm like, yeah, the way he is, I can see him just staring at the same cloud for an hour straight, like, and that's, like, how he grieves. And he doesn't even notice that the cloud isn't moving. Like, that just checks mm -hmm. out. And, but you only, like, I only buy it because he's just conveying this character so well. How, how about just the basic fact that the ship is not there? How, how about that? Can, can people, like, even recognize that the ship wasn't really there and you have to convey, like, it's just, you know, basic job of an actor. But to be able to convey fear but also determination at the same time so well, like whenever he's running or avoiding eye contact from the ship, like, come on, bro. Yeah. And this, come on, bro. That takes so some talent. The scene after like when they're eating and they're like, no one wants to talk about that. And then they're in the parking lot and you can see how they're both dealing with this because they haven't had the experience, but he had the experience mm. with his dad dying in front of him from it. And he is ready to go. And seeing that switch of being so quiet and not speaking up to leading and directing and being like, no, 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 we were close. We were close. And like, see the sister who was always going to talk and direct kind of just be silent and look at him and see that change. Like it's effective. Mm -hmm. It's good acting. Yeah. Well, and good characterization, like, from Jordan Peele's writing as well. Oh, yeah, yeah but I do think they bring a lot out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think Kiki Palmer, like, does also does a good job. It has, like, her character is not subtle, so neither is her performance. Like, she doesn't have those kinds of moments because she thinks out loud all the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. But I think she, <laughs> all like, their first scene together where he has to, like, He's like, my sister's going to be here in a minute. Um, we're, we're like, he, he's trying to give the spiel and he's mm -hmm. like, he's just flopping in front of this Speak cloud. Up. Could not control a room at all. <laughs> and then she comes in and has her whole influencer spiel all set oh, to go. Gosh. Like yeah. elevator pitch. What a great intro for these two characters. But you still buy that they grew up together. For sure. Yeah. With that intro, I was not sure I was going to enjoy her character, but. You know, I obviously did. So, 
that intro made me know I would love them. Like, I was scared for them after that intro because I was like, no, I love them. Don't rip them apart. If one of them dies, I'm gonna, my heart's going to be ripped out. And I never noticed it until this, literally until this, my second time watching it. But when she goes, like, uh, she does the, that beginning spiel and she says, great, great, great. And he adds another great. I always just mm. read that as like, oh, okay, she's just, like, so prepared. And she, like, is a little anxious and she forgot. And then, like, mm. seeing the scene later when she's watching the video of her dad doing it. And I'm like, no, she's just a little girl who loved her dad and loved watching this video of her dad and has it deep in her soul. And she just can play it mm. out and didn't even think, oh, yeah, it's my great grandfather. It's an extra great. Mm -hmm. It's just it was so cute. I loved it. It's such a small little oh. detail. I didn't even get that. Yeah, she doesn't have to either. add the extra great. And then it's like, no, he's he's an extra great from you. It's not your dad. It's your great. And I was like, oh, that's really yeah. smart. Wow. That's such a great detail. Wow. I didn't even pick up. Yeah, that's. Wow. I, I missed that completely, too. Damn. David brought it, too. <laughs> yeah. And Jordan Peele. Like, I'm equally Real. impressed with him putting that in as you p picking it up. Like, he knows his audience. He does. David he loves horror, and Jordan he gives Peele. us the horror fans. And he is my favorite writer-director of this era, of his generation, bar none. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I agree with that. Uh, of the, like, since he started, yeah, like, it, again, Us didn't really work for me, but, like, he's two and a half for three with me, and, like, I don't know, maybe I could, like, as good as Nope and Get Out are, he might as well be three for three. Like, they fill in the 50% that us doesn't. Like, it's also amazing to be, like, doing this well, with Get Out being his first movie and still, like, going strong with his third movie now. Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, third movie, he's had two TV nuts. shows, he has a full production company, he has an audiobook like series where people write stories and read them out of like standalone horror kind of like harking back to the 1940s horror radio stations he's incredible mm -hmm. what's the second tv show twilight zone he has twilight zone and then oh, and what was the other one? key and peel oh no i wasn't counting that one but technically oh, yeah, yeah i, I figured we were talking <clears throat> post key and peel career i have to look mm. it up and then he produces movies like he did the Candyman uh, reboot requel thing that mm -hmm. was pretty good yeah, anything he's involved in, his name is on it. Oh, yeah, they make sure to show you, which is great, I think. Yeah. Oh, Lovecraft Country. Oh, wait, he was part of that? Yeah, he produced that. He EP'd that. Oh, okay. I think sometimes putting his name on stuff that he's not, like, super involved in can sometimes set up an unrealistic expectation. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, Jordan yeah. Peele signed off on it. Yeah, they, but he didn't make it. Like, he just was like, yeah, this is good. That doesn't mean no, that, yeah. like, it's going to have his level of you know, everything. No, if he's not writing or directing, I don't have the same expectation. For sure. For sure. But when he's doing um, both, my butt is in that seat night one. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the other hand, what he, I mean, and granted, he gets partial credit for this. Anything Daniel Kaluuya is in, I'm almost instantly, like, interested because I'll just watch him, like. They announced something called The Kitchen on his Instagram, and I don't know what that is. Oh, well, it's, maybe it's a sequel to The Menu. <laughs> <laughs> that's wow i don't like you for that one that's good though i agree um, i share the same sentiment about daniel kalula he's another one where i just i always want to see him perform yeah like i i was thinking about this was with dicaprio the other day i think he falls into this too where it's like he's an actor where 
he's very much him in every performance. Like he's not a complete chameleon where it's like you don't recognize him roll the role, but you like watch a minute of him playing any of his different characters and his performance is like completely different. Like you would he's not playing Daniel Kaluuya. He is playing a character. And like him at base is compelling. Mm-hmm. This is this is holding true for like him and DiCaprio. Like they've played such a wide variety of characters that like they've shown off their range, but also they're just like they they have that like screen presence where like I'll kind of watch them do anything, but they aren't like a Brad Pitt or a I don't know like one of those actors who you the just, Rock yeah the Rock where you just go to see them just play themselves. Brad yeah. Pitt does more than play himself. Yeah, that's true. But Brad Pitt's maybe not the best example. But the Rock no, definitely. Like the the Rock is the same person. Kevin Hart. Kevin, Kevin Hart. Hart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kevin Hart is never gonna be anything other than himself. I do hope. That, like, the way people look at Martin Scorsese and his relationship with De Niro and now his relationship with Leo and how people love their collaborations, I hope that's a thing for Jordan and Daniel because it's a thing for me in my mind with them. Even though they've only done two movies, I want them to keep making movies together Mm -hmm. throughout their career. I think it'd be really cute. Yeah, well, I mean, so far... I I think they're at their best when they work together. Granted, there's more evidence for that with Daniel Kaluuya because he's just made more than three movies. I, I don't think Jordan Peele should be boxed into like only working with him. But yeah, I mean, I I I'm could boxing do, him in. if he keeps going every other. I'm down for that. Like one off, one on. Let's go. And I just hope people give the, that collaboration the same respect they would give those people. Yeah, I think it deserves it. I, although I don't think DiCaprio is necessarily at his best with Scorsese. He's obviously very good in those movies, but best, I don't know. Uh, did we want to finally get into the first topic then? Oh, shit. We have not done a tangent yet, but we have yet to get into a topic, actually. Oh. Yeah, so Jelani, let's start with your build-up to the reveal topic. So let let me take you back all the way to 2016 oh my god that was seven years ago Ugh. oof i don't think you guys were even in college yet nope you were no. seniors in high school yep holy shit i don't want to do my topic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we got seven years worth of build-up i guess so yeah take us back to 2016 one of the worst um, years i can remember but that's another story yeah uh, a few years ago, when I was a, a wee sophomore in college, uh, Jocelyn was teaching us in basic editing about revealing monsters in movies. I don't remember how it connected to editing. There's a few ways it could have, but that's not the point. She said that as soon as you reveal a monster in a movie, the human brain automatically begins to rationalize how to beat what it sees, regardless of what it sees, humanoid or not. She taught us the horror of what we imagine and create ourselves without ever seeing the monster. Uh... The human brain is the real monster, and the human brain is the scariest part. She said this is what made the first al- uh, first Alien movie terrifying. It did things never seen before in movies, I I think. From a monster, uh, i.e. Ble- bleeding acid blood, chest burster, etc. Everything Alien Xenomorph can do. So people were terrified of what else it could do, and even like speculated what it would look like. Like, 
without knowing what a movie monster is, like, you automatically can't help but speculate what it looks like. And then once you see what it looks like, you'll rationalize. Uh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Same thing went for the first Jaws movie, actually. They had so many issues with the shark, they had to show it less. And luckily and effectively terrified at audiences more, keeping them away from beaches in real life and whatnot. You guys know that. With all that being said, I asked the question, does the reveal of the monster keep the movie horrific? I have my own answer to this, but... I say yes, although I'm going to qualify that, like, I think I am still fascinated by the monster. I, I never find myself scared of movie monsters by it. It's, it's more of a fascination that I have, and my fascination is retained post-reveal. Mm -hmm. Both with this and Jaws. I rewatched Jaws after rewatching this because it was on Netflix and I hadn't seen it in a while. The first shot is you see the shark in Jaws is like it, like just raising its head, and then uh, I forget the main character's name, but he stands like straight up, right? Yeah, Quint. Or not Quinn, Quinn. Uh, Brody. No. Yeah, Because the beginning of the movie is just straight, like, terrifying. You see... Shark a, POV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, the swimmer mm -hmm. lady goes out, and she gets pulled under the water by something. You That could literally be anything, but she does not come back up. And that's scary because you don't see what did it. That's also what terrifies me about the ocean mm. because there are so many things in there that could just do what they want to you. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, to go off of that, my the uh, I was going to get into this in my topic, but longtime listeners and both of you will know that my other favorite movie monster, the one that this replaced, is the Kraken from Dead Man's Chest. And yep. I think you can draw a straight line from Jaws to the Kraken to mm -hmm. Jean Jacket in terms of like, first of all, Hans Zimmer, as great as he is, kind of ripped off Jaws with his Kraken theme. It's still a bomb-ass theme that I love, but it does riff on Jaws pretty blatantly. So that doesn't hurt. But it also kind of follows that rule. Like when we talked about, I think you brought up the same like fight or flight, um, like rationalizing kind of thing mm -hmm. uh when we talked about dead man's chest jelani and I, I think we both talked about how in that movie you do see a lot of like we see the kraken for a lot of that movie but we never mm -hmm. see the whole thing there's like yeah. one shot where and it's it's i think less than two seconds where like will is underwater and he sees like the bottom half of the kraken like not just the tentacles but that's like mm -hmm. the closest we get to actually seeing the whole thing. And again, I'll get into this more when we get to my topic, but it's such a fascinating line to walk, I think, of like, you want to show good creature design because I think if you show nothing, then that's not satisfying. But like you mm. were saying earlier, if you show too much, that can take away the mystery and the horror and the fascination with it. And that's a really difficult line to walk. I think, I, I don't remember if I mentioned in the Pirates thing, but that thing, that like one sculpture from the Museum of Natural History <clears throat> in New York of the sperm whale fighting the giant squid that's like tucked away in the corner with the purple lighting and there's like no glass 
And what's terrifying about the sculpture is you can't see the whole thing. It feels like the lighting makes it feel like you're deep down in the ocean with the two creatures, animals. So not being able to see the whole thing. And then also imagining you're in this dark ocean with these colossal creatures, like, is what fascinates me and terrifies me about that sculpture and, like, just the ocean as a whole. So that's also why the Kraken kind of freaked me out, because... You, you, we don't know how big it is mm-hmm. nope no it's a good comparison i think though because also like there's another thing that i think can factor into like the fear of a monster and i think the scariest thing about jaws is one like you were saying like when i rewatched jaws recently like i think the moments that i found myself the most scared were just like watching like the fin like the the water move as the shark was moving like that's the scariest part to me because that's a thing you could see when you're out in the ocean like yeah you could like that could be a scary thing and actually the image in nope that i think terrifies me the most i don't know if this is exactly in the same vein as that but the shot where i am most uncomfortable is in that flashback with gordy when he's coming toward like we're in steven young's pov oh god and it like he's like prowling toward the camera like that is really scary to me because it like just taps into that like when you're in everyday life it's it's like people who are scared of like large dogs you don't know what the animal is gonna do and that is scary. So even though we're seeing the whole thing, like there's no mystery on that front, but all we are seeing is kind of an everyday, I mean, it's not like we see monkeys in our everyday life, but like you can see them. It's a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if you know that this monkey just like took out an entire like... Monkeys are real. What? I said interior analysis confirms monkeys are real. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but no, like if you have that context of like this animal just like is is feral right now, it's terrifying. You're like, do you like fight or flight? How do you rationalize with this thing? I mean, you can't, but maybe you can get away. And that like that one shot, I think, taps into it. I don't know if the Kraken or Jean Jacket really apply with that, like, Jaws and Gordy comparison, but I think there is something to the fact that I've never heard anyone say that they're scared of, like, Godzilla, or, mm-hmm. like, we talked in, in our Godzilla versus Kong episode, we talked about a lot of monsters in that, and, like, those two are never monsters that I feel like are cited as scary, and there are also mm-hmm. monsters that historically have never really been surrounded by mystery. And I, I don't want to like set this up as a recurring thing if it doesn't apply because I haven't seen the two movies that you guys are going to talk about. But I wonder if there's something to be examined with like across these three, four episodes that we do of what's the relationship between horror and mystery. Because I think they they seem to play into each other a lot. David, you can probably speak to it better. But I've been thinking about that a little bit in preparing for this episode. So we'll get into it, what I'm about to say, when uh, we 
do the Final Destination episode, but that's what's also, like, terrifying about the um, Final Destination franchise to me. It's, especially if I see the monster, regardless of what it is, like, of course, my brain is, like I said, automatically rationalizing how to beat it. No matter what the monster is, it could be a horror slasher, the Kraken, whatever, like, I, I've seen it. What's terrifying to me about Final Destination is there is no possibility of rationalizing with death because you don't see it there's there's no nothing to personify there's no connection to anything there's no figure to put to death in in that franchise and you know we'll we'll get into that but um like i said when we cover it but um yeah yeah to give my answer to your first initial question of like does it aid in the horror and also to give mm -hmm. my like opinion on horror and mystery a thousand percent i think horror and mystery are almost inseparable i think it's so much it goes back to i think jocelyn like i remember when she told our class that too and i think everyone who's successful in it says that there is this just like inherent uh quality to horror where if you have the theater of the mind uh, working where I, there's nothing I can show you or tell you that's going to be more horrific than what you're going to imagine. So I need to bring you mm -hmm. along for the ride and get you to that point where you're, oh my God, and you're about to get there. But if I ever show you it, then you're like, you're saying you're going to be rationalizing it. You're going to be thinking of it in too plot of a way where I've, I've lost you. You're now ahead of me. I need you one step behind where you can just be like, what is that? Oh my God. Because once you see it, I know that you're going to sit up in your seat. There's like an immediate intrigue and I've kind of pulled your defenses down. And that's good for me as a storyteller. And I think like, that's why I've always loved horror too, especially as an audience member. Like, it's just easy. Like, it's just an easy thing I can put on and just kind of quickly get into. I think there's a line to be walked there though, because... And again, David, you, you as a better versed horror person can probably speak to this better. But the sense that I get is there is a brand of horror that tends to be about shock value, jump scares, where it's like, ton, like it's all about showing you the disturbing thing, like showing the blood, having the, the monster or the slasher jump up in your face unexpectedly. And like, it's about what you are seeing. And then there's more like hereditary kind of uh horror movies maybe there's a better example than that but there's less of a focus on like shock value and like being loud about it and more about like we're gonna like get in your head with this movie and maybe i haven't seen the right ones personally i thought hereditary for me went a little too subtle where i just kind of got bored and in other cases like i actually my one professional like movie job or not only but biggest one was editing a horror movie that did go for a lot of blood and like gore and showing it and it was a little low budget so it doesn't like deliver super hard on the blood but there is never a moment in that movie where we were trying to like plant anything in the audience's mind it was all just like let's get the most out of our production value as we can. My thing is also, like, if you're going to do that, at least find a way to make it psychological. Like, if you want to show your monster as much as possible, 
So my pick this month was between Final Destination and The Thing. I, actually, now that I think about it, two like opposites when it comes to their quote-unquote monsters. One monster you never see and one you're constantly, actually constantly seeing, but like questioning whether you're seeing it or not. Like, And then, you know, there's all the nasty ass gore in it and such but um yeah if you're if you're gonna show it make it scary to even see it for sure and i do think like there's definitely is a balance and i think it's all every film's different whatever the filmmaker's trying to like pull off i think i have seen really subdued horror films where there is no mystery element and i have seen really gory horror films where there is a mystery element so there is like it's not one or the other as much as like yeah. the people making them so it really does depend like even jaws like jaws they're smart with their production to have that when you see the barrels you get immediately you sit up you know exactly what that means you don't know what the shark looks like so you're even more intrigued you know what the stakes are because you've seen when it's done but you're, you're like oh my god what's gonna happen and they save the money shot for when he tears the ship apart and gets to quint and you're like wow but the moment that happens, I feel like they do. That's the end. That's the end of that. And now you're full Brody. I have to seek revenge on the shark. Like, I'm not scared of you anymore. I'm going to die to kill you. Like, the emotion flips. And I feel like that's, like, that's just how it happens sometimes. And some horror movies, you know, like, they just, they don't even care about emotion. Like, they're, they're fully there just to show you a special effects kind of keynote for 90 minutes. Yeah. My friends this past weekend showed me uh, The Collector from 2009 that was very much on that end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. That That's the dude with the... He got, like, the the hay bale thing. I think that was in the second one, where he gets, like, the hay bale thing on that rave. I'm not remembering he... a hay bale thing, so I think it probably was the sequel. There was a lot of... There was stuff with fish in hooks one. in the first one. Yeah. And, yeah, he just um, sets like traps and stuff. Like, yeah, a bunch of bear. I, I, I called it like this is what happened when the kid from Home Alone grew up. Mm. He just doubled down <laughs> and yeah, set a I bunch of a, traps. I saw a kill count on the first one, but I don't remember that one. I remember the second one more for whatever reason. Uh, was there more to go into with your topic, Jelani? Oh, well, my own answer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It keeps the movie horrific. Uh, I didn't ask a whole lot of people, but let's assume uh, let's assume the majority of people that saw the movie believe there were aliens in the ship, which is what I think Peel is going for, uh, making this more of a sci-fi than monster movie. With the reveal of the alien being the ship, making it an animal, so I think cool. horror is, is kept. And I partially believe it's due to connecting it to the existence of other monster movies. Knowing it's an animal makes a shift in our minds that it needs to either be beaten, killed, captured, or scared off. Knowing it can't be reasoned with. If it was aliens in the ship, you might be able to talk. I thought it was going to be aliens in the ship and they were just going to be chill as hell. Like, that's where my mind was going. Like, that was a twist. They're they're cool. So it was Chicken Little. Oh, no. <laughs> <Absolutely>, right. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what you just described. Oh no! What have I done? Um, in addition, nothing changes about the movie other than the characters' knowledge and the mystery of what the ship is. They're still in danger with the ship being a threat, Jean Jacket, and they can still be eaten. So, yeah, I think the horror is still there. Yeah, I think the switch from like the alien to animal thing is 
a good way to like keep it especially because like it's there was so much in the marketing like i was actually afraid i was avoiding trailers for this coming up to the release but i still saw like thumbnails for it and there were a couple that were like it's aliens and i was like oh man i hope that's not a spoiler and maybe that was a calculated move on their part to be like let's let's front load the marketing and the first half of the movie with like talking about our like cultural perception of aliens and like you have the fries electronics thing where it has the like crashed ufo in the front of it like it's very much trading in like what do we think of when we think aliens even down to like the kids scaring daniel kaluuya at the one scene and even kind of the grasshopper on the uh the camera trick, the praying mantis praying mantis yes not the grass sorry praying mantis yeah oh praying mantis praying the bible what do you think it was this thing being in no i'm just connecting it like uh, it's all connected praying yeah. mantis bible it's an angel all right we did it okay yeah I want, we did it well <laughs> you, you said that in the in the group chat though like biblical angels i want you to go oh, into that. i get into that no no i do that's why i said i went way harder in these notes than i thought i would yeah um well if you are we done with your topic because yeah if not maybe I think, maybe mine is the place where you want to talk about it yeah so i think your two topics actually connect so I wasn't going. I don't want to go into that until we talk about the movie monster one, because you know what defines a movie monster. We got to ask that question. Yeah. Some examples that I I hope you don't mind me starting. I'm just stealing your topic. No, go ahead. Oh, um, I will just movie. say at the top, my topic is mm. Jean Jacket, best movie monster ever. Maybe I think so. I'll see what you guys think. What defines a movie monster? Examples that come to mind: Creature from the Black Lagoon. Godzilla, we discussed King Kong, uh, Xenomorphs, Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, Jaws. But I feel like the lines become blurred with certain other icons slash creatures slash beings like Jason, Michael Myers, Predator. If you want to count Dracula, because he goes, you know, the classic horror movie monsters. You know, what separates him from Jason and Michael Myers? Because they're Nothing. Human? Thank you. No, because he's arguably more human because he can speak. Girl, Freddy can speak. You know, they're all something to... And, oh, I forgot Freddy. Oh, I'm sorry, Freddy. Um, they're, they're all something to overcome slash beat. Um, so what what do we, you know, what even defines the monster? I don't think anything separates them, honestly. Like, mm. I have this conversation a lot with my horror friends because we just talk about, like, the errors of horror because, like, horror icons pretty much, right? And, like... Mm-hmm. These were horror icons through the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, essentially until the end of the 70s that, that carries through the 80s and 90s with the slasher craze. So, like, mm-hmm. I can't discredit them. And then, but growing up, the times we did grow up and the generation before us and kind of how the culture went, like, horror icons, they did transition into the Michael Myers, the Jason Voorhees, the Freddy Kruegers, mm-hmm. the Ghost Faces. And yeah. what are who's are they not monsters now i don't know exactly but to me they're monstrous to me because mm-hmm. i think what they do and especially like who they what they personify like <laughs> um just seeing michael being like the personification of evil and then Lori's supposed to be innocence and then jason's just a blatant ripoff of michael that's my favorite thing that the 
directors and producers of Friday just say that, and uh, I really respect that. <laughs> um, Freddy, like, Freddy's just a straight-up monster. He's a kid killer who got burned alive and has come back to kill your kids some more. Yeah. Ghostface is a parody of Michael, so it's like... I think so. So if we're including all of those... I think even, like, the T-Rex Jurassic Park, that's a monster. Moving, yeah. If we're including all of those, like, horror slashers being movie monsters, too, like, all all of what we were just saying, uh, no. It's not the best. Really? Okay. No. Uh, so what's better? For me, my uh, favorite movie monster is the Xenomorph. Oof. Okay. I'm a big a fan pick. of Jason. I like... I, I know Jason's a ripoff of Michael, but I it's just something so. Plus, he was a Mortal Kombat X. And he's he's oh, okay, so that's why. <laughs> Top three favorite to play in that game. He's just there's some, there's something so cool about the, the hockey mask is iconic because of him. Like it didn't even come until the third movie, and that's what you exactly. think of the franchise. You show that yeah. literally anywhere, and someone will think of the sport or Friday the Thirteenth, and it's like it's incredible. Just him being an unstoppable killing machine. I've even I've never even seen a full Friday movie. Like I said, I just watch a lot of kill counts, and I've seen all of the kill counts on all of the Fridays. I just rewatched the, the one for the reboot, the last Friday movie they made like a decade ago, and there there's something just so cool about just the unstoppable because that that's horrific. An unstoppable zombie man with a machete or whatever, just his own strength. Like, that's also terrifying. Like, the man is a superhero as far as his strength goes, because he, he punched a dude's head clean off, bro. Come on. He's the only person that I could think that could, like, without a doubt, body Omni-Man and Homelander and, like, not even have oh, to blink. easily. Like, just easily. walk through them. We can't see him blink. No, we yeah. can't see him blink. No, <laughs> we really can't. Yeah. Yeah, Jason's my favorite. I'm I'm gonna name drop a little bit here, but I have not seen any of the uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies. But I did through the movie I edited briefly meet Kane Hodder because <gasps> he was in it. Wow. And the the one brief interaction you edited I had a with movie him, with Kane Hodder. Yes. Wow. Um, I can so actually cool. he, I can actually send you guys played, the link for he played to Jason watch it. forever in the original kind of. right yeah. Yeah, he well, he wasn't the original one. He's not the original, but he's, like, the Jason. And he just yeah. did Leatherface. He just did that for the game. He just did the mocap for that. Wow. So the one interaction I had with him, he he is a rather physically imposing, well, compared to me, but I'm also small. But yes, you are. He was, I, he was a little bit physically imposing. Um, so if, if he brings that to the role, then maybe, maybe you're onto something. I haven't seen him in any of those so i don't know he came in in like the late 80s ones like he's like he's the jason though that's so cool wow yeah yeah i'll send you guys the link because it's i just found out today they're doing like a weird like remote film festival thing it says it's restricted to pennsylvania so you guys may not actually be able to but yeah even uber i like uber jason too I like his design. The mass design reminds me of Shredder, and that's cool. Oh, and he's in Jason X when he goes to space. Space, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's. I gotta. I just gotta start. I don't know if I want to subject myself to willingly watching horror movies. Um, what? But I feel like I should. They're so fun. Watch, 
uh, at least the Friday movies if I claim Jason is my favorite. Honestly, just do like the OG three, go through Halloween, Nightmare, and Friday, and just go through all of them, and it's just mm. fun. Like they're so campy and ridiculous and over the top, you will not be scared in the slightest. You'll just have a lot of fun. Well, to be sure, I might need to watch uh, during the day and with a friend, just to be sure, you know. Yeah. Because if I watch it at night, that that means he's gonna come after me. Nah, Jason's my favorite, Evan. Okay. This is good though. This is like a decent, like we'll we'll I'll, I'll also get into like just the visual of it once, especially once it transforms. Like that's that's a fucking spectacle, the way it moves and everything. But it, this is like good for like modern day yeah. monster. It's really good. A yeah. modern day original yeah. concept sci-fi monster. It's really clever making the ship, yeah. the vessel, be the actual creature. It's still such a cool twist. It's one of my favorites in sci-fi like it really is like that twist to me like i'll never forget sitting in the theater and being like oh my god like no because it made it so much scarier and it's rare that a twist happens like that where it makes it scarier and like a major like build cast member doesn't die for it usually that always happens where it's like oh the xenomorph it shed it so it must have got bigger but we don't know how big because this is its old skin and then we see it like sprawl out and we're like that's huge and then someone dies and it's like oh we lost a member we're losing numbers so to still have that same feeling of like oh my god it's getting closer to us but still have the numbers it was good oh and i never i didn't even like what's what was also what's also like terrifying about this as a monster was seeing the people i didn't know it was the stomach right like that seeing hearing the screams of people being digested alive by its stomach acids is horrifying and it was claustrophobic too which was really shot really well with the whatever the tissue pushing up oh gosh yeah I'm not claustrophobic. No, that or anything, scene. But that's when it eats ugh. the audience is like yeah. probably the gnarliest scene of the decade for me so far. And then I, with the rewatch, I realized I think that was the acid falling on that lady's face before they cut away from it. That's why she starts screaming, right? Oh, like something sticky gets on her face and she starts screaming. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, it shows the skull right next to it. Yeah, no, it's. It's it's terrifying. Wait, you you. I want to hear your reason as to why the xenomorph is your favorite, David. Oh my god, it's iconic. It's everything. The design, the actual how it plays out in the story, the concept of it being like in this pod on a planet, and it just shoots out. It has to hug onto your face. It needs your body to become what is going to become because it requires that shape in your DNA to kind of grow and then how it chokes you and all of that and then that's not even it that's just the face hugger and then out comes your actual monster the actual xenomorph that bursts out and then it's like this weird i don't even know how you would describe it when it's worm. like yeah it's like a weird worm rat naked mole rat thing that's running around and then it grows so fast in its final design and then it mm. has the tongue in the tongue it the bleeds acid yeah. it's crazy the tail. the tail and then if you get to aliens the queen xenomorph is insane like absolutely mm. gnarly yep that's um, probably my favorite if i had to get specific the queen mm. i think we now have to talk about alien and aliens someday <laughs> 
fun fact, the Xenomorph is also playable in Mortal Kombat X. That's fire. And so is Leatherface and Predator. One of my favorites. One of my favorite games. Because you can fight. I'm, I'm really upset that they used Freddy by the time they got to X. Because all the guest characters, most of the guest characters in that game were horror. And it, it uh, in that game, it fuses with uh, the guy, Baraka, who has uh, blades in his in his arms. Kind of like, uh, God, I don't want to mention this movie ever again. X-Men Origins Wolverine, how Deadpool had his blades in his arms. He has the same situation. And in the trailer, a xenomorph, uh, I think a face hugger. No, they don't show the face hugger on him. He just starts, like, acting up. And then the chest burster comes out. And then they show the xenomorph like step out side by side with the rest of the characters for the for the DLC and then like two blades come out of his arms and it was, it was so fucking cool. But yeah, Xenomorph is I think top 5 for me. Xenomorph's maybe a good three. one. Maybe top 3. So, moving to I think you guys have maybe answered some of this. What do you guys like and dislike about Jean Jacket in this movie? Maybe you guys already kind of gave your answers, but if you have more, go ahead. Yeah, I like that it transforms. I like that it has rules to it, so you as an audience member can see yourself logically beating it. It's also really fascinating to look at, like I said, especially once it transforms. I like a lot about it. Everything, I I actually, I don't think there's anything I dislike about it specifically, because I like its design. I like its functionality. I think the concept even behind it of like, because they say like if you ever see a polar bear, like you're dead. Like, it's so snowy there, and they never show their eyes. So if you actually see one, it means you're about to die. And it's like, to think about all the dreamers who just look up at a cloud. Like, even the poster, we all looked at that cloud for a year, just like OJ. And we were like, (laughs) we don't even know what that Mm -hmm. is. And that was the actual monster. And it's like, all the times you've looked up at a cloud, and it's like, and then that's the one that's going to get you. Like, your dream, the spectacle's going to get you. I think on, like, that metaphorical level, I really like it. The only thing I don't like about it per se is like Jordan Peele's direction with it. I think like the moment that the house is getting like just like thrown up on and all the blood comes down and it's nighttime and that whole sequence is playing out. I think it's in like its peak horror stride. And I think if it had more of that like visually going on, people would have felt more intimidated by it because I never felt that emotionally intimidated by the alien except monster thing except for like that moment and then the scene with daniel when he's like trying to chase it and everything uh and he's like playing uh, around with it and then it like comes around and swoops and he like gets hit up by the thing he times it well i just think if there was more from the direction to make me lean into that more emotionally i would have been more just like scared of it but i was just I was more intrigued and curious. Fun fact, we were talking about it being on the poster. I, I don't know if I told you guys or I told some other people. Um, Steven Yun on the poster, if you look at him, his hat is actually the thing. It is? Yep. I'm going to look at this now because I've, I've always thought... Look that at the... Steven Yun, nope, and then you'll see from writer-director Jordan Peele, if you look at his hat, it's, it's the monster. I think i got to find the right poster for this. Because the one on IMDb is the one where it's the it has the cloud and there's the like streamer thing dangling from Mm-mm. it. He's in his red suit, the blue sky in the background. It's night. Oh yeah, okay. I think I'm seeing this. Yeah, the one yeah, where it's, it's just 
Steven Just Young him. on the poster. Okay. Yep, that's that's the monster. That's great. I I always yep. thought it looked like a cowboy hat too, and I didn't even make that connection. Yep, because in all the other shots of him looking up like that, it is the hat. But in that shot, it's quite literally the jean jacket. Yeah, that's nuts. To show it was hiding in plain sight. Yeah, I remember. I think I've said this on some other episode, but I remember one of the first reviews for Nope that I saw on Letterboxd was this should have been called Don't Look Up, which I oh, thought wow. was great. And they they should have called it the the Nope shot. <laughs> the Nope shot. <laughs> That's uh that's what they'll call it in Scream Seven, maybe. I do like the name though. Jean jacket? No, nope. <laughs> Especially the the couple of times when Daniel Kaluuya says it and the right. inflection Nope. Yeah, yeah, like I like when he says it when they see the aliens before he punches that little girl and he punches her hard. He lets her have it, that teen girl. He's what? I thought that was funny too. I like the nope. I like it's the catchphrase for that one person in the Gordy show. And then I did read like a week or two after this came out, but people love reading into these films, anything he makes because of how deep he goes with his stuff that like, nope, some people read that as not of planet earth and I'll take everything. I'll take everything you want to give. People are saying his movies can uh, form a sentence now too. Like, nope, get us out. Oh, I guess you got to just mix up the order. Yeah. I guess we'll see what the rest of the sentence is with uh, his next one. What if it's like like numbers or something? That's not going to help. Yeah. It'll be like a one word story. Once there yeah. was a. Mm. Or like some franchise it. film, so it throws it all off. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Black Panther. Nope, get us out. Black Panther 3. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go through, you guys have listed a lot of the reasons that I like. I have nothing I dislike about Jean Jacket. You guys have listed a few of the things. One other small one, it's fast. That's all I need to say. I love it when monsters are fast. I I like that it feels big the whole time. And that even when we, we kind of see all of it, but like we've been saying, there's still a mystery that's retained because its shape is kind of like nebulous, where it's made out of like sails. And in most shots... We don't see all of it. It's either concealed by, like, it's it's zoomed in too much or, like, we're in someone's point of view where we we only see most of it or some of it. Or it's concealed by clouds at the end when it's, like, going up and grabbing the balloon thing. Like, it still feels like there's a mystery to it that's retained. And uh, I think, Jelani, you mentioned you like that it has rules. Same for me. But also I feel like they don't, set the rules too hard and i've heard this as a criticism that like the rules seem to be a little inconsistent i can understand that i i think it's less that they're inconsistent and more that like it doesn't follow them so so hard and i I think that is part of what keeps like it it, because if there's one rule to follow like if it's just don't look at it that's what I was going to ask, because I'm still, like, unclear on it. Like, it's not... That's kind of, like, one of my issues with, like, being so terrified of this monster. Is like, is it really just don't look up, pretty much? Like, don't look at that cloud and you'll be good? I think so, but it's also, like, you can kind of outrun it a little bit. Like, because the characters, like, grab onto stuff or, like, OJ hides in, like, the shed thing. 
So it's like it has a limit in its like ability to physically like vacuum you up. Uh, it it does seem to follow like if you're not looking at it, it's basically gonna leave you alone. But also like it does seem to have sort of like rules around hunger. Like it it's not gonna come hunting you just because you're looking at the cloud. But it also sometimes seems to like Stephen Young seems to understand the rules enough that like he sends the horse out so that the audience isn't in danger but maybe like obviously he misunderstands the rules to an extent but we never one thing that's interesting i think about like his element with it is we never see his show go according to plan like we never see what it's supposed to be i think it's easy enough to imagine it but the fact that we don't actually see how it goes i think maybe if we did that might solidify some of the rules better because like like with the horse like to me so it's like you don't have to keep eye contact you just have to have made eye contact at one point and it will get you and then i think back to like well oj just said he's been looking at that cloud for a year has he just been that lucky that every time he looks the he's been eaten he ate good oj you're good he ate good a couple hours ago he don't need you now like, well, should... it seems to be about being seen. Like, if he's looking at the cloud, then it's like, you know, invisibility cloak. You didn't see me. Like, it seems like it's shy. So it's John C. So you have to look at it, and it has to look at you, and it has to be hungry. I guess. Maybe, yeah, I think the rules are a little unclear with it. And I can understand that being frustrating. Personally, I don't find that to be a deal breaker. But I think also, like, the fact that you can't look at it, like that that's a really smart way to mm-hmm. keep like because it and again this is why it's so much better when movies have themes because if this were just like a surface level slasher like monster kind of movie then we'd all be yelling at the screen just like close your eyes don't look at it get away but the goal is not to defeat the monster the goal is to look at it and be able to capture it. And that makes it so that it's like when they go back, like even if you personally wouldn't go back to the ranch and try to get the Oprah shot, you get why they are and they're not just being stupid. Like you might not do it yourself. You might disagree with them, but there's a justification to it. And one that can be mined for you know thematic conversation like i don't know still exactly what jordan peele is trying to say with this movie but it is a thematically compelling thing that like the monster is this thing that we want to look at but that is actively trying to prevent us from looking at it and living to tell the tale I, again, I, I just watch video essays and video reviews on these movies. I've never watched the full things because, you know, they're still horror. Um, Bird Box, do you think those monsters are terrifying? Because you don't see them and you can't look at them. The only thing they do to you is either make you a follower if you look, make you a follower or uh, make you kill yourself. So are they scary? In my opinion, no. But the other version of that, like, kind of story, The Quiet Place came out that same year, and I think those Mm -hmm. monsters are terrifying. 
So what's the difference? The little bits you see, the action of them you see, the consequences, while also sustaining the mystery and the intrigue to figure out how to kind of prevent those consequences. Mm. So also, like, you think you should see part of it. At certain points, you have to. At it's a balance. Point. Yeah. If you so don't if, like, see that girl get dragged down at Jaws, then why do you care when the shark's there? Yeah. Well, I think with a quiet place also, it's like the the scary thing about the monster is not seeing it the scary thing about it is that it's it could be a mile away and if you step on the wrong twig then it could be on your ass in a second mm-hmm. it's sound oriented not sight like like this you literally seeing it and it will get you and same with quiet or not quiet place for a box where it's eyes mm-hmm. that's kind of like basilisk like you can't look at the basilisk basilisk uh, without oh, like, yeah it'll kill you yeah. and then if you see the reflection it'll petrify you yeah like that's a good um, that's also a good movie monster yeah although the cgi of 2002 and the way daniel radcliffe fights it is oh boy not very good wow so it's also like the puppet though the no. monster being able to interact with you is also terrifying like the ones in bird box you don't see them they don't technically do anything except float but if like a tentacle were to come down and like wrap somebody up and pull them up like is that more terrifying bird box is hard anything with sight like you're when you're playing with sight for me is a really hard sell because movies are so visual so like that's even more of a balance you have to walk that other horror movies that are trying to sustain a mystery and then also theater of the mind they don't even have to worry about that. You have to sustain all of that and then also sustain the fact that this is a visual medium and you have to do all of that and your monster's triggered by being seen. So, like, so that's why you wanted more of the house scene, the blood vomit scene. Or anything more, like the direction to me, like really the writing I think is fine. I think this is probably the best of, like if you're going to pick a monster movie where the monster gets triggered by being seen, this is probably the most effective one, but like I, I needed more from the direction that would have lent it more to a horror place mm-hmm. where it feels more sci-fi. Yeah. And I don't hate it for it, but I, I would have wanted a little bit more tonally that was horror. I can see that, but maybe that's why it works for me is because I am more of a sci-fi person. And like, as I said earlier, like my why this is my favorite is not because i am scared by jean jacket it's because i like i think it's really cool and so it is tapping into that sci-fi thing more and even like to one of the examples you guys brought up earlier like the xenomorph from alien i kind of like that for the same reasons because i just think it's cool and part of it is like it's again it's a weird balance because you can't just power scale i feel like it's a similar thing that we talk about with stakes sometimes where it's like just making something larger stakes or making something more like objectively powerful isn't always the most effective choice because if that were true then Ghidorah and all the monsters in godzilla would be way scarier than anything like jason or any of any of those like human humanoid human-sized monsters that you guys talked about like it would be no contest but they're not it's about how they're presented like nobody has ever been scared i think of the monsters from pacific rim but they could clock an entire city in an afternoon whereas 
that would probably take Jason his whole lifetime. So it's there is something in the presentation. And for me, the way Jordan Peele does this here really works. But you're saying this, David, like there are maybe directorial like visual things that he's doing that are making the monster work for me as a sci-fi person but maybe it's not scaring you as much as you want yeah i would say so for sure i'm curious what like what not you don't have to go into super specifics but like what else might you have in mind like that would make it scary like for me the screams were pretty the screams are fantastic Mm -hmm. especially when they're like um like hiding and you just hear it in the distance like things like that Mm. atmospheric ominous things because it's a it's a visual language that audience members have been digesting subconsciously for a hundred years and when you show an open kind of desert house scenic shot and now we have a mystery of what's happening in the clouds you immediately go to uh that one 80s film where it's close encounters of the third kind and like the person losing their mind with that mystery and so many other you go to race to witch mountain so much sci-fi and he does that intentionally it's supposed to be deceptive so i think that's effective and i just when the switch happens and it becomes more monster there it's an animal that's going to hunt you i wish it just would have stayed more like you could have set it more into that dark night more scenes at night immediately it's more ominous even when they were outside of the restaurant talking about what they were going to do that felt very of a horror film like they just got attacked they've regrouped they're at like a neutral spot and they're just going to kind of figure out what they're going to do next. And just because it's at night, you know the stakes are kind of higher in a horror movie. Bad stuff happens at night. Nothing that's too terrible is going to happen in the day. Which is why I like that the finale happens in the day. Especially because of how impressive the CG and all the VFX is. But I think if we had sustained a little bit more of that balance throughout. Because I was even fearing for them in the parking lot. I was like, oh, like I wouldn't be outside. Why are you talking outside? go back inside and talk like this are you crazy after what you just experienced and you're standing outside like what if one of you looks up and it gets you so i just a little bit more of just that i would have been like super into it but as a sci because i love sci-fi as a sci-fi fan i like really enjoyed the movie too but if i was coming at this where it was like i want to be horrified there's never really a moment where i'm like terribly horrified i would get unsettled i think i was the most scared by not the monster but the kids in the barn yeah but i think they're also tapping into like before you realize what it is like in that scene it's tapping into maybe that thing i was talking about with gordy in the one shot where it's like you can see all of them but you have no idea what the rules are like do you stand still do you like try to make yourself big scare them off do you run like what's the move another scene that happens at night Yes. Well, something I thought of when you guys were just talking about how the screams is maybe like the most unsettling scene in this. I think that's helped by the fact that by the end of it, like, I still don't understand how Jean Jacket digests everyone. Like, I I don't get how it eats because basically by the end we see that like its body is basically all skin, I guess. Like it's it's made of paper and just folds itself a bunch of so like where is it where does it eat it doesn't need to eat 
But it does need to eat. It's an angel, Evan. I will say, I'm going to tag this on before I do my topic. Within, like, the mystery element, and it works almost more horrifically for me on a thematic level than on a practical level when I'm actually watching it. Except for, like, the scenes where, like, it's at night and he's throwing up blood or people are being actively digested and we hear their screams as they're torn apart by acid. Like, those things are horrific. But most of the times when I see it, I'm not unsettled. But, like, the thematic concept of, like, spectacle and when spectacle is concerned, how far is too far, like, that was a really interesting conversation that this film, I think, was trying to have. And I want to know your guys' opinion. Because, like, he says, the one DP guy, he tells him, you don't deserve the impossible. And, like, the host, Steve Young, can't stop himself. Gordy couldn't stop himself. The executives making the Gordy show couldn't stop themselves. The alien couldn't even stop itself because it goes after and it eats something so big it blows itself up. So, like, how do you guys, what was your guys' take on it? Did you even, like, care about that or was it just, like about the theme of like not stopping yeah like because the spectacle is so much of that horror like there's so much of a conversation about spectacle and how we treat people and the animalistic nature of the industry and what are the limits you're going to go to with child actors with animals with this now with an alien who's going to even if you look at it it, the fame monster it's going to eat you up you have someone with a camera who's zooming in like there's so much pupil imagery and aperture imagery and us literally looking at the film there's so much like meta layers of looking at it going on and i'm just like i don't know are we part of the monster are we part of the problem how much is too much is thinking about it too much does that make us part of the problem like how far can you go with the spectacle because even the monster that is operated to be that goes too far and blows himself up didn't antlers like mention that at some point to M. Yeah, I he think, has that line where he says, "Yeah, the line about the people like you, you stop. They'll they'll never stop chasing it or whatever." Yeah, I think means. he. I, I think maybe you're thinking of a different line, but the one that I think of from him is this dream that you're chasing birds. Like yes, that's you the standing on the top of a mountain mm-hmm. with all eyes on you. It's a dream you never wake up from. That one. That's mm-hmm. yep. That's what I said. I might have paraphrased it incorrectly, but I think it's close to that. Yeah, he's on the no, phone. I, I said it exactly. I said it exactly correct. Yeah, I think it's it is dealing with. And I hadn't thought about most of those things that you were pointing to there, David. But yeah, there is definitely like a recurring motif of we could leave this alone. We could let enough be enough, but all of these people can't. Like, oh, I, the TMZ guy, too. TMZ guy, And I love yeah. the way he's designed to have that stainless steel ultra-reflective helmet that you mm-hmm. only see yourself in, and then the little oh. eye and the camera on the camera. Like, how... Oh, my God. The vision, yeah. the, the motifs. That's why, like... he. There's a lot about the directing I like, and then there's a lot tonally in the visuals that I don't like. This is a very interesting film for me. And then even after he, like, gets wrecked on his bike, he's yelling at Daniel Kaluuya to start filming. Like, are you getting this? Even though he's probably broken, like, three bones at least. What what, what are the wacky, waveable, inflatable, arm-flailing tube men? What do they represent? I mean, maybe nothing in themselves, but but maybe. Because they all have the eyes, and there's the part where the monster, like, 
Maybe there is something to the fact that the monster can't distinguish between, like, the fake eyes of that and the real eyes of a, like, living creature. Maybe there's a symbol there. I don't know what. No, I was completely joking. Um, I, I, okay, I didn't know. I couldn't tell if you were, but you're right. It may be nothing, Um, but maybe there is. Like, maybe this, like, the fact that this monster is indiscriminate, like, because spectacle, like, think about it just at face value like there's nothing inherently bad about it but it's also not inherently good either like it can it's just big and it's noticeable and chaotic neutral okay yeah kind of and i think like this movie the conversation that it's having about spectacle is very contemporary like i feel like we have yet to have a really mainstream movie or show that comments on like social media culture and like influencers like not that it's not there because it's in it's present in media but i feel like we have yet to get like a really strong critique of that i think this movie is tapping into that like nobody ever really talks about like oh like we're gonna blow up so big on instagram or whatever none of them are like influencers like that but i feel like it is tapping into that same kind of instinct in a in a modern way where it's not just like we're gonna send this ufo picture to the papers like they talk about the oprah shot but i don't know it felt it feels influencer oriented i guess or like social media oriented in a way that if you'd made this movie 10 years ago like it it kind of wouldn't i think the, the fact that they keep talking about the Oprah shot, I think, is sort of subtly speaking to this idea that, like, we hear about some new event or there's something new that goes viral every week. Like, how every are day. they going every day in some cases? Yeah. Like, if it's not every day, then that's a that's a quiet week. How are they going to have any staying power in? I, I feel like the phrase I always hear used is like this attention economy where a billion things get uploaded to youtube every day how are they not going to get lost in that sludge and the the way that they think to do it is we need the oprah shot we can't just have some low res video of this thing we got to get it like 4k well they also got the impossible shot but that got dissolved yeah and i wonder like what what is that trying to say that antler's holst just like sacrifices himself to get this perfect shot but also in doing that prevents anyone from ever seeing it that was the funniest and dumbest thing and i don't know what it means yet still like yeah but it feels like it's definitely trading in theme like i don't know that that's a decision that a rational human would make his name is antlers that's true like, if you take him, like, we just said that line, like, that line from that scene you guys were just saying a couple minutes ago. Like, if you take that character, he would not do that. That makes no sense. You can't tell me that he would then just kill himself for that. Well, slight counter-argument. What if, to him, because part of me does see what you're saying there. He sounds too sensible. But maybe he's just self-aware enough to know that he is one of those people who is stuck in that dream that he can't wake up from. And this is the only way he can think to wake up is to, like, go out 
on this highest note of I am at the top of the mountain and I have gotten this impossible shot. And so he's aware of his own ego and he wants to like he wants yeah. that. Or at least his own obsession. Yeah, I, I think his own ego too because he knows at what cost he tells them like that's gonna be it's gonna cost you and he knows the cost with this monster and he knows he's willing to die if it means he's able to satisfy his obsession his if that would satisfy the ego of getting the impossible shot he'll die he'll lose his life and never enjoy it never see it but he'll know what do you think his upbringing was like with the name antlers I don't know. I have a, maybe, maybe it was a different what, name and he chose antlers, and that's alarming. I was gonna say like maybe maybe that's like his backstory is what made him obsess over being made fun of. And like when that's the case, though, like I do think that speaks to it thematically. Like the question about spectacle and how far are we willing to go? And I do think it's an interesting dichotomy when you have your protagonist and antagonist kind of not wanting eyes on them. Like, OJ doesn't want their house and that whole area. He's trying to keep low-key, trying to be natural, how the family's done it, how it's run. The monster doesn't want eyes on them either, but they are constantly kind of needing to look and fight each other. I think it works out very well, but... I'm just not sure how much more like if you don't if you were if you're looking at it for a theme I think it's a really interesting conversation I'm not sure how much if you just want to turn the movie on and let the scenes take you away entertainment value wise how much it sustains yeah well I think on that note like this movie does a pretty good job of like being able to be enjoyed on a literal level but yeah that scene is probably the one where it's straight maybe not the most but one of a couple of scenes where it strays toward like first time you watch it i I don't know if anyone can really maybe afterward if you think back but like when you see the gordy scenes the first time like i don't think it really clicks how that matters but it is still literal like i think you can it doesn't necessarily hinder your enjoyment those moments, I don't think there's ever, like, a whole section that just enters complete metaphor territory. But it is kind of a place where it's not operating completely literally. The other thing that I have been thinking of as we've been talking about this is that I think it's a smart decision that, kind of going back to the line from Angel that we talked about earlier, where he's like, "Is like this is going to do some good, right? And... I think that the movie is not agreeing with him that like, I think it's a good way to tie it together thematically that the monster basically represents just spectacle for spectacle's sake. It's not going to wreck a city or anything. It's not really going to hurt anyone else. And it doesn't turn out that the monster is somehow benevolent and is actually like giving us something like maybe the alien well spoilers but like the aliens in arrival like i don't know i think it just ties in thematically that like it's just kind of like this is a big deal because it's a big deal it is like the equivalent of like a lot of stuff that goes viral in real life where like some of it might have meaning or like spark a cultural conversation but a lot of times it's just someone doing something crazy and all of us just laughing at it. There's not really a like societal good or bad, but that feels like something that maybe this is engaging in. I don't know if you guys had more on that. No. No sir, Bob. I can do my topic now. Okay, so, yeah, finally. 
Yeah, the master of the monster in most horror movies where there's a monster present, there's usually a character there to kind of guide you through so the audience can expect it. He's your Dr. Loomis and Halloween. He's your Quentin Jaws. They're there to kind of aid you along the way and usually die so that you can really feel that the stakes are high when you get into the final confrontation. I thought, again, because of how we said how well this film works on its thematic level, I thought it was really clever to not make this person like a UFOologist or an alien expert or someone who knows the stars and the sky. Like, no, he is a DP. He is perfect with the camera. I think making the monster's whole actual mouth would be reflective of an aperture or pupil. I think it all just kind of works and it was really cool. And I'm not sure if that's just because we're film geeks. So we like things like that. And then this having its own conversation about kind of film and entertainment and how we digest things and consume media and how we might just spit it out the next day. I don't know if that's just interesting to us because we like to pick things apart and stuff like that. But I don't know. I thought it was a clever little thing to tag on. And I think his death, I don't know if it raised the stakes for me per se, because by that point I was pretty like, I don't think they could have got any higher for me, but I think it solidified like to me and maybe like, I don't want to say like the theme, but like a partial part of the theme about going too far and vanity and maybe self-importance. So, are you saying you see Holst as the master? Is that his name? Is the DP? Antler, yeah, Antlers Holst. Antlers. Yeah. Okay. For sure. I I won't disagree with that. I was kind. Of, I I didn't know that was who you were going to point to. I was kind of looking at a few of the characters as potentially the master, where like Jupe thinks he can master it, uh, Stephen Yun's character, but he's trying to profit off of it, and he has kind of a hubris about it, where he thinks that well this is more reading that i've heard than one that i saw the way that i've seen his interaction with gordy in the flashback like the way that's been read is that he thinks because he has that experience that he can master jean jacket now as an adult and it, it turns out he can't and then like holst i think does have the ability to monster or to sorry to master the monster but chooses not to dies in pursuit of it even though he he could avoid that. OJ, I feel like, reads as the most logical master of it, but because, like, he respects the power of the monster and doesn't try to control it, at least not, like, he doesn't overreach enough. Like, he, he knows when to stop, kind of. And then, textually, it feels like Emerald is the one who... I think we're almost supposed to read as the master because she does ultimately get the Oprah shot and is the one that ultimately like enacts the plan to defeat it. But I was wondering like, does that actually make her the master or is she just luckier than the others? Because to me, OJ seems to understand like the rules of how to not get eaten by the monster, but Emerald seems to be more focused on getting the Oprah shot than him. Like, she seems to be more in tune with, like, how do we 
get like capture the spectacle and like clout chase with this which is kind of both sides like you could say that surviving the monster makes you the master or capturing it does in this case so holst kind of like fits both of those but again he's not the one to ultimately get the oprah shot what about you jelani what say you who do i think is the master no just whatever you want to talk about honestly no but what i was asking was like with the master of the monster like in, in most monster movies there is a master who kind of comes through and kind of educates you on this this movie does not have that on a practical level because so much of this film is operating on the mist like sci-fi movies do specifically operating for sci-fi horror at least on the mystery of figuring out what the creature is because they're usually fictional unlike say like a jaws where you're actually able to make someone who knows sharks and like can be yeah. a master of the water and tides to kind of level that out i think it was smart to kind of tie in the thematic uh, underpinnings of spectacle and stuff with those for me it was the dp character that's who like stuck out to me i've enlisted a few other ones that were valid so i was wondering if there was anything for you if there was a character who like stuck out in that way maybe more thematically than actually practically because we don't know so much about the monster because we keep learning and it's changing but anything like that yeah, I, I think the first time around I, I saw Antlers as uh, the master, but now with Evan mentioning other people could have been the masters too, I think they all qualify, especially OJ, because they all kind of, like there's that whole, I wouldn't call it a montage, but they, they figure out pretty quickly, like once they know it's alive, what to do with it, how it behaves, and it's all given the clues earlier in the film like with the metal and the flag and all that i think by process of elimination i guess m is the master because she quote unquote tames it by blowing it the f up but i i think antlers was there to be that uh well his name is literally antlers i also think there's um <laughs> something to be said about the animal connection between him, like, normally feeling like nature docs, or he was just watching, I don't know if he made those films, watching the nature docs and, you know, thinking he can get that impossible shot with this this, this, this animal. Like Evan said, same, uh, same thing to be said with Jupe, thinking he can, he can tame it. Nice. Also, I didn't even make the connection at the eyes of camera lens. Also, that uh, flop sound effect it makes when it's got the green thing going, when it fully transforms, reminds me of the sound of uh, the flash back with old-timey photos. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. That's very rad. I don't know. For me, I see OJ and the DP as, like, the two real contenders. I feel like OJ lives more in the practical sense of it because he, like, learns and studies and, like, really i think comes up with the plan and then like i think the dp is serving as like the, that functionality on a thematic level i like m because i feel like she is more of your typical protagonist in that sense where like she comes in wanting all eyes on her and then like to have the challenge of the monster who if the eyes are on you you're dead and that having to change over time and to get the final shot 
it works for me i don't know what you would call that i just she's the hero i guess i don't know but like she's a good time she's a good time gal the fact that they have to use an eye to see it they have to use the camera's eye to to see the monster i also wonder if there's like some sort of conversation going on about like technology versus like a traditional way of making like especially today in art like the monster actually being cgi and it draining batteries and you can't use digital cameras and the only way to get it is with a hand cranked film reel and then the reason that is killed is because the person who did it was too self-important that you got to a crank of a polaroid which goes even further back like it's i feel like there's stuff there i'm not smart enough to connect it all and i don't know if there is enough to connect it but there's enough there that there's layers of that with the spectacle and the animals and the industry and everything yeah i i've seen the like digital versus film comparison or not comparison but like because that's a debate that like film nerds and like directors especially will have i did not see your point you just made about the fact that he's so self-important like I feel like that does kind of play into like the pretentious side of like in a way digital is kind of just as good as film at this point so like why do we need this debate and like Pulse definitely fits the bill of like oh yeah film over digital like get the fuck out of here with your pixels guys like he fits that bill and is willing to maybe maybe there's a literalness to like Jordan Peele saying maybe don't die on this hill guys I don't know if that's him trying to be like super blatantly calling people like that out. I mean, he did film this in IMAX though. So if he is calling that out, then well, and it looks great. Like I I have no problem with him doing that, but if that's his critique, then maybe he's critiquing himself there too. Don't film in VCR as long as you don't do that. Cause I was in a short film and the VCR tape got corrupted. (sighs) Yeah. Don't why is anybody filming in vcr in i don't know evan i didn't know until the project was done and the director student said uh yeah the vcr tape got corrupted like why were we doing that why i'm sorry tangent not really because we're talking about uh, that was a good one too i liked that okay Are, are we done with that topic or um did, did you guys have more? Oh, i don't have much on it the i have the true master is the monsters we made along the way and uh what are we some kind of nope <laughs> those are all my notes and daniel kaluuya and kiki palmer together became nope <laughs> but yeah. okay so my final topic is uh entertainment versus meaning which, as I'm reading it, I, I imagine there that sounds like we're going into the theme, which is not really, but if you guys want to take that interpretation, fine. That's not really what I'm talking about here. It's more about, like, my experience watching this. So I kind of talked about this already, but, like, after watching it three times, I still am not really sure exactly what this movie's trying to say. This conversation has, like, brought a little bit more light to it with the points you guys have made. But I have a blast every time I watch it. And it makes me think about interesting themes. Like, it's still operating on a thematic level without a real answer solidifying for me. And I know there's stuff that goes too far on both ends of that spectrum for me, where, like, there's some movies that I know probably have 
like deep meaning to extract from them but i've never wanted to rewatch it like i will rewatch us but i've never felt like compelled to do so outside of just like wanting to try it again at face value like i don't remember enjoying us at all um but on the other hand what is it what was wrong with us evan everything you guys you guys don't like jean jacket enough no Um, that was that was a pun yeah i know (laughs) i was trying to play along you did, uh, you did um, get your it. answer to the oh god just yeah, the gun. oh shit <laughs> but on the other hand like it's sometimes like if i have a good time with something i don't really care if i don't get everything the first time um that was very true with this movie and it is even more true with tenant i still don't get tenant but i am always down to rewatch it i don't know if i'm ever gonna understand that movie but it is always a good time granted I don't know that it holds to get, like, I think there's more meaning to extract from Nope than there probably is from Tenet, as much as I love it, but, like, it's a balance that you have to strike. Like, it's always good to infuse meaning into something, but also that doesn't matter if nobody's ever going to make it through your movie or ever going to want to rewatch it. And I think Nolan and Jordan Peele are two directors that are very good at this, where, like, we talked about it when we covered Get Out. Like, that is one of the most rewarding movies to rewatch because there's just so much meaning. But probably my first time watching it was my least favorite, for better or worse. Because, like, I didn't, again, I didn't hate it the first time or anything, but I was pretty lukewarm on it after the first one. And now I would name it as probably in my top 25. But it took a couple viewings to get there. And. Like, with Get Out specifically, I kind of accidentally watched it again pretty quickly after my first time. I don't know how long it would have taken me to, like, willingly go back to it. And again, no shade to that movie. I think I was, like, a less mature viewer at the time. But, nope, I was a lot more eager to go back to. And I don't know if there's a question exactly that I'm asking here. I think also like there's if it's not going to present a clear conclusion to the themes that it poses it should at least raise some interesting points and make observations about it which i think this movie does i'm not critiquing it for that it's still making examinations it's not necessarily judging its characters or their actions and maybe there is a specific like conclusion that jordan peele is trying to present I don't see it. I haven't heard anyone else be able to point to one. But he's also not just like throwing his hands up and saying like, well, it's up to your interpretation. Like he's giving us a lot to think about. He's giving us stuff to latch on to. And I like that balance. Like sometimes I think it's easier to talk about a movie that does have a pretty clear thematic answer that it comes to. And those also can be rewarding to rewatch. But there's kind of a continuous fascination with something like this or Tenet, where there's enough that I'm always interested to go back to it, but I never fully get it. And that always makes me like want to come back wanting more. So I guess two-part question here. Like, one, does this strike the balance? And two, like, what can we find that balance? Where is it? Uh, yeah. When I first saw it, I didn't know what to interpret or how to interpret it as I, I still just found it entertaining what's the other one what's like the balance of giving us meaning versus like 
giving us a good time that we're going to want to revisit it. Uh, I don't have an answer to that. Well, maybe if... Because I, I don't know that I have an answer either, so it might be a little unfair to ask you to, like, give a perfect one. But, like, I don't know. what What's a movie that works for you on, like, one of those levels and another that doesn't? Like, one where you can tell there's meaning, but you don't want to go back to it. Oh. Put me on the spot here. Um, give me a minute to think about that. Uh, David, you give your perfect answer. I also give you full license to name any Nolan movie, and I won't get mad at it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with C as my choice. If we're doing multiple choice, you're so funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, that is a smart testing. It's not, there's not a right answer here, though. I'm not like it's not a test. Right. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. It's. This movie's kind of that movie for me. I saw it once in theaters and I came in like five minutes in and didn't even bother to ever see it again to restart it until right now. And like, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it the other time too. It sustained my interest. I don't feel like I ever need to revisit it. It's not a world I want to go back to or a story I want to go back to. When I go back, I'm happy because of the connection that oj and emerald have like those two characters and their relationship carries so much of my interest and investment in that movie and i like we've had a great two-hour conversation about the themes and so there's substance but as far as i guess like my own entertainment this is one where i don't i don't really go back or feel a need to go back to rewatch yeah okay i i didn't i can understand that i didn't have this came came out last year i I didn't have like an urge to come back to this movie anytime soon it was cool with re-watching it like i i didn't even like look for deeper meaning until today like i knew there was going to be deeper meaning to it but i didn't go out of my way to try and figure anything out well i think it's this specifically is also good in that it can operate on that level where you you can enjoy it without having yeah. to, like, go into any kind of themes. It can just be a good time. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, kind of the best movies operate on both of those levels, which, again, is why I think Jordan Peele and Chris Nolan are two of our best current filmmakers, because both of them... Not to say that, like, everyone who doesn't do that isn't doing a good job, but, like, I think the two of them specifically are really, really good at making movies that anyone can enjoy but also have a ton of meaning to go back and extract from them like it can be a crowd pleaser but also have a ton to unpack for the people who care to barbarian yeah barbarian is a good counter example i think david you probably disagree no i don't think so i think it's more entertainment than it is thematic like, I think if you want to go back and rewatch Barbarian, you're going back for the moments. You're not going to go back because, like, the the deeper kind of conversation that the filmmaker's having with you. Like, you're waiting for that 30-minute mark where whatever Skarsgård gets his head smashed in by that tickled lady, and then you watch her <laughs> breastfeed and just the shock of it all, and then stupid, annoying white man coming in, egoful, and, like, poking around and with discontent and discern and... Just see him get whopped. That's always feels good. I see that guy, that actor, like in Justin a lot Long. Of 
Yeah. I, I just, I didn't know he was the lead in the first Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, he's like a terrible person. Oh, in real life? Yeah, which is why it was kind of funny that he played that character, because there's been stories about him like that. Oh, no. So maybe he deserves what he got in Tusk? Oh, yeah, I've heard he did. Mm. Uh, okay. Angels. Oh, yeah, Angels. Go into your uh, thing with that. All right. So, this is all stuff I, I've read. Uh, I, I haven't made up. Or These are not my theories or anything like that. I'll just preface this dive uh you guys i would suggest you open my notes if you don't have them open already the google doc notes i've read jean jacket is the most similar to the ophanim ophanim or the wheel angels of god's chariot uh aka one of the types of biblically accurate angels i've also read it takes inspiration from the, I don't know what to call them, monsters from, I don't know if they're aliens, monsters, whatever, from Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is an anime about really weird looking things and kind of like Pacific Rim, they like fight in giant mechs. I haven't seen that either. Looking into that, I, I forgot about the Akira shot. There's more anime inspiration um, than I thought. M sliding, if you look at my notes, there's, there's a picture right there. Uh, M sliding to stop the motorcycle at the photo well is directly a direct reference to Akira. And I, I realized that once I saw it in the theater, I was like, oh, that's cool. Haven't seen... These are all these damn shows and movies I haven't seen, but I know about. Haven't seen Akira fully. And I get the feeling it's going to depress me. So that's why I've been putting it off. I watched it earlier this year, and I just I think that it, that's one where it has meaning that I don't get and don't care to revisit. I, I didn't get it. Mm. I'm sorry if that makes oh, listeners upset. Studio Ghibli, all of the fo- those films. Mm. Yeah, I'm there with you on that. All the ones that I've that. seen. Y'all are so wild. I that. did not get Howl's Moving Castle. I haven't Please. seen that, but I'm just saying as a okay. whole to just call out like one of the most iconic animated. Oh no, of all time. I haven't seen the only one like, of some respect on their names. Nah, the only one uh, of it's Ghibli's. Not to them, they just don't work for me. The only one of Ghibli's that I've seen was Howl's Moving Castle. I don't think that was a good introduction. Did you watch the sub or the dub? Uh, Christian Bale. Yes, that was the one I saw where he's doing. He's auditioning for Batman <laughs> in it. And it was Billy Crystal is the fire? Yeah. Oh my which god, that's so amazing. Weird. I need to see that now. So, I've also also read a theory that Jean Jacket is the signal of end times. Yeah, I didn't know that. A ghost, a pale horse, this is just part of the theory, like the beginning of the theory, and there, there's a lot to the theory. I have a, the the link to it right there in the, in the doc if you want to see it. I mean, you can include it in the show notes or whatever if people want to read it in the youtube description but uh ghost to pale horse is the first chapter and a pale horse is the first sign of the apocalypse and then the theory goes deeper and i'm not going to get deeper into it and then there's also a comparison image with the uh the biblically accurate angel and when jean jacket opens up like it's kind of wild really cool though and then i was saying before like there's honestly something like once it transforms uh something mystifyingly gorgeous about it 
Like, I felt that when I saw it in theaters, like, without knowing what it was. And then my, my brother, immediately after the movie, was like, yeah, it was supposed to be an angel. I was like, what? How did, how did you get that from that? Like, I don't think he read anything. He just understood. Uh, I don't... And then maybe it's the way it's shot, the lighting, uh, and combined with the music. And then, it, in addition to the way it moves and flows and is continuing to transform. And the, I, I don't know. Something about the ending of the movie with jean jacket popping off with like flaunting and whatnot it was so cool to look at but yeah it's 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 an angel and it's the apocalypse i agree i don't know if i fully understand it but i don't disagree at the very least i don't know if i understand enough to agree oh i don't either I will say, and both times I agree with you here, where, like, when it is fully opened and, like, it has, like, the colors coming and it's flaring, it mm. is, you're in, like, a trance by it. You're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is gorgeous. And, like, there are some animals, you can go back to dinosaurs, that they would do that and you would get stuck into their colors and everything and then they get you. And, like, even, like, peacocks do that now. Like, don't mm. they, like, do that stuff with their tails or feathers or something to, like, yep. let you know to back off? Like, it's... Yep really effective and beautiful and horrific you know i just realized like maybe those shots of it opening up and flying through the clouds like maybe that's supposed to signify symbolize sorry uh heaven what people interpret as heaven with it being in the clouds and it's supposed to be an angel like the lighting really makes it feel for whatever reason angelic to me so yeah, with the like backlighting golden hour like yeah. sunset. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really freaking cool. That's why I'm I said it's it's a good it I I like it as a movie monster. Like this is I kinda wanna see more like of this world slash I know I don't want it to be ruined in any way, of course, but I would mm-hmm. wanna know what else like what else is there to this? Like where did this thing come from? I want to. I want a deeper dive. I want more explanations as to: Are there more out there? Are there different forms? What? It, whatever the hell else? You know, is it actually an angel? Like I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would want that too. I would just want it in a way where it doesn't ruin. Yeah, exactly. the Mystery, and I don't know if that's possible. Or ruin the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want a nope too. No, yeah. please. It's a real fine line. Literally, I can only think of like one time that that's ever happened and it's been successful and it was Aliens. And mm. even then it's because it switched and went more for like an action than it uh, did for horror. Yeah, Yeah, but then the later Alien movies kind of did ruin it, I think, yep. in, in some ways. Oh, no, no, yeah. I wasn't talking about franchise. I'm just talking about direct sequels. Yeah. Mm. No, it's even direct sequels, like they will the next one immediately ruin it because so much mm-hmm. of horror is based in that mystery mm-hmm. and the sequel's like well guess what we're gonna explore <laughs> the mystery <laughs> we need to explain exactly where han solo got his name <laughs> oh god and we need to explain exactly how the xenomorph has all of those mouths <laughs> <laughs> what does it do with each mouth what it, what that mouth? <laughs> if you could just sit down with us for a minute, Miss Xenomorph, oh, what does that mouth do? What <laughs> that mouth do? <laughs> and what about that other mouth? What that mouth do? <laughs> the mouth in the mouth, what that mouth do? That's all I had for the top. If you guys would, I'm, I'm not... The TLDR 
statement of the the theory on Reddit is Jean Jacket is an angel of God signifying the end time the end times according to my shitty reading of Revelation. An image from the R slash note movie subreddit below because I really like it. And then that that was the other the comparison shot. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I I don't know if you wanted more on it, Evan. No. Okay. No, that's I'm I I think that's good. I mean we've also been going for two and a half over hours. two hours and I don't think almost any of that is tangents, so not surprised because there was a, there was always going to be a lot to unpack in this movie. I'm not mad that we went this long, but we have been going pretty long. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Depending on how much I edit this down, it might equal the runtime of the movie. So, ha. Um, Will yeah. people watch it? Nope. Nope. You had to step away from the mic. That's how you know it's a good laugh. You had to step yeah, away from the mic. Yeah, I could hear you like <laughs> echoing back. <laughs> All right, so for the boilerplate, Final Destination 3 and The Original Exorcist are our next two episodes. Um, probably in that order, I think. Maybe we should talk about that after, but they're both coming up. In other news, we have our YouTube channel, as always. Today we dropped, well, as we're recording this, not as you'll be hearing it, I put out a video today on the rating system. Longtime fans of the show will know that I have lots of feelings about the rating system, and I condensed all of them into 30 minutes, which is much longer than our other videos. That OG episode was two hours long. I don't remember it being that long. Yeah, it's, it's a... I don't know if this one's going to top it, but it's going to be the closest, I think. Except maybe, I think our last Airbender Season 3 episode might have past two hours we were close on that one mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's a it's a long episode it's a long video but um i think we've made it worth your time in both cases check out the video today if you haven't already because it'll probably have been out for a few days by the time this episode comes out and if you haven't checked out our rating system episode david unfortunately was not there for that because he wasn't part of the team yet but we had three other guests on there that were all really good personally i would name that as my favorite of our episodes that we've ever done really i i think so like maybe not the most fun but i think it might be our most uh, we, had, we had some pretty fun moments in it though might be our most insightful i think oh yeah informed it's, i i think it's it's maybe my favorite but yeah that video is out 30 minutes long big chunky takedown of the MPA rating system. And then you can check out our Patreon for $1 a month with our bonus episodes. I'm going to try to get the Mean Girls watch-along up there soon that we did a little while back. But our other watch-alongs and bonus episodes are up there now. Our logo's by Kelsey Hendry. I'm on Letterboxd at Ev underscore Wes. And where are both of you? Instagram, Jelani T. Kelly. Same with YouTube. Actor, actors Access. All all. Of it's all it's all your boy and i'm also on oprah oh yes this is the most x-rated location i've ever been so plug your ears boys and girls but i'm on the back of the horse with daniel kalula and i'm rubbing those thighs those thunder thighs and those jeans bitch my god that's a man i won't argue with that i was that is not where i was expecting you to be from? deep deep within you hear me daniel deep <laughs> Deep within. <laughs> All right.
I was expecting you to be like maybe inside the monster or something. That was not where I was expecting. No, you to there's go somewhere I would like to be inside, <laughs> and it's not the monster. Okay, I don't think I have to think too hard to imagine where. Nope. Nope. And with that, we will see you next time. <laughs>